It's football season. Shut up. It's football season. And we're going to rank all of the Pac-12 defensive coordinators right now on Wildcat Radio. Wildcat Radio. Oh, shoot. We are back. Welcome back to Wildcat Radio, the most interesting podcast in your face with a brand new, dirty, dirty setup. This is just, it's shameful. Look at this. We got a soundboard. Shame. We got a freaking mixer. And we got Rob Bowron. What's going on, Rob? I am, uh, I'm I'm always jazzed to be here and talk some college football. But the, uh, yeah, like I've been, we have, we have brand new sound. We have brand new visuals on the website. There is much to be proud of. So much stuff to look forward to. And I can't believe it's June already. Or like, it's, it's basically June, which means that we're almost like a month and a half away from college football. And Arizona kicks off early. We're at the week zero game, Hawaii. I want to go. I want to go. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Uh, I don't know. Like the problem with Hawaii is it's expensive. It's and I I was on a podcast with uh, the Quack 12, which is one of our partner podcasts and Hithliday and Adam and everybody. And at the end of the podcast, he goes, come on, guys, like you got at least you got to go. But it's not a college football experience. It's more of a, I'm going to spend $1,000 to go watch Arizona play a subpar football team. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, it's 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 somewhat true. I, I don't think that the stadium that they have is is uh, like a great stadium experience. I mean, they used to have the Pro Bowl there for all those years. So it's pretty big, but they rarely sell it out. Um, I think Rolovich has, you know, Hawaii was kind of fun in some games that I saw last season. Um, but they're not, they're not great shakes or anything like that. And, um, they, they, their offense is good though. And fun. They still run a, a pretty, uh, up-tempo, you know, throw the ball over all over the place offense. So I think that it could be a fun game, but it's, it's, it seems like a lot of money to go watch Arizona play a group of five team. Is Timmy Chang still there? Uh, is he still the OC there? <laughs> no. Oh, I no, I meant so. quarterback. Is he still throwing the, is he slinging the ball no, around? I, th- the I think he's, he might be on staff now. Oh my gosh. They owe, they owe that to me through like 70 touchdowns that last senior year or whatever. But, um, oh yeah. The June Jones, the June Jones experience. He was all, I mean, June Jones, I mean, the funny, I mean, June Jones was, you know, uh, I believe he had a signed like memorandum of understanding on a contract with ASU and then some boosters got mad that they were going to hire June Jones and they ended up hiring Todd Graham. Mm. And then, and then June Jones goes to couldn't get another big job and goes to SMU and just bottoms out. Yeah. Dodged a bullet there. ASU. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. You got Todd Graham. <laughs> Didn't shoot you in the head. It just got you in the collarbone. Um, <laughs> but we are not talking yeah. national college football. We're talking PAC 12 football and we wanted like it's the off season, but it's not really the off season. It's football season. We wanted to uh, really go into some of the coordinators because this is such an important position. I remember the first time I was listening to the the solid verbal, and it was like one of the first years that they had recorded. Maybe it's like year two or year three, and they said, "You know what? Next year we're gonna really focus on these coordinator positions because we think they're pretty important." And I thought they're not that important. And like, whatever, it's all about the players and it's all about the head coach. And I was totally wrong. They, they really hit the nail on the head in regards to how much a coordinator can change the face of a program. And if you are a, a PAC 12 program that has a good defensive coordinator, you can attest to this. And if you're one that has an, an average one, you can totally understand like why, how important this is, how important scheme is. And one of the things Rob, that I was looking into that I liked was the fact that we had a, um, uh, we, we, the conference is, is actually pretty strong when it comes to defensive coordinators, because normally it's the offense that people think about when they're thinking about Pac-12 football. Yeah. And I think, you know, last year when I put these coordinator lists together, um, there was definitely some offensive talent that had, had left the Pac-12. I mean, there was not, there wasn't anybody that really stood out as an OC, uh, in the Pac-12 that you said, oh, like they've, they've had a, you know, they've had a string of great years coming in. Um, you know, Mike Leach had a really big bounce back year with Gardner Minshew this past season, um, finished number six overall on offense, but the defensive coordinators, that is not the case. I mean, there is a solid foursome, um, that I think you really have to, you, you have to make a 
compelling argument um, for any of them to be better because I think it's it's a close bunch. I mean, there, there's Tim DeRoyter and Justin Wilcox have just done a phenomenal job at Cal. I mean, and you have Mel Tucker, you know, coming in from uh, from Georgia to be the head coach at, at Colorado. He intends to call the plays on defense. Um, he had uh, he's had some stellar defenses at Georgia, one of the you know best regarded DCs uh, in the country coming in. So you, you add that to, you know, Morgan Scale at Utah and um, Jimmy Lake and uh, Pete Kiewitowski at Washington. There's there's a lot of really talented defensive coordinators in the conference right now. One of the but, things. Oh, go ahead. But but underneath that, there is a there there are like there's there's not a lot of like there's not a big middle class in the Pac-12 of defensive like there's a there's a really solid top there's kind of a thin middle and then there's kind of some uh, I don't know I I'm gonna fight back a little bit as we go through these rankings because I think people like yeah. Danny Gonzalez or Tracy Clay's at Washington State look I know that Tracy Clay's uh, wasn't as good as his predecessor but to be able to continue. Like Washington State's defense was pretty good last year, uh, all things considered. And uh, I thought he had a decent record at Minnesota. Did it blow people away? No, but he was like top 25. Um, I think Danny Gonzalez can flex his muscles a little bit more. It was his first year of implementing a system at ASU. Um, They certainly didn't have the defensive line and the bodies, like the size up front, to really uh, make up for what he wanted to do at ASU. That was the biggest frustration coming out of camp uh, in terms of news and in terms of people that were covering ASU that was like the big flashing light was hey we're actually pretty excited about Danny Gonzalez and I thought that was a sneaky good hire considering both of Herm Edwards uh, offensive and defensive coordinators just bounced the moment he got hired Um, so to go in and get somebody like Danny Gonzalez I'm curious to see how he fills into his role in his second year and then you have somebody like like Clancy Pendergast like a proven commodity at USC I know I know, Rob, like they had an awesome, (laughs) awesome roster and he did crap with them, but they did have a lot of injuries and I'm curious to see what comes of USC. But I don't know. I kind of like that middle tier, uh, you know, like all things considered. I I think that, I mean, I I sound like I'm overly harsh. I mean, I I think that there's, I think you're right. I mean, Danny Gonzalez, I like that hire too. I think he'll eventually pay out. I, I really like that system that he learned from Rocky Long at San Diego state. Um, and, and, you know, the Andy Avalos at Oregon um, and uh, Lance Anderson at Stanford. I mean, they're, they're two guys that are, are pretty well-respected DCs. I mean, Anderson has, has managed to bounce back. He had a pretty rough 2017. Their defense was not very good. Um, they were decent last year, and they project to be better this season. Um, I mean, I think the one that stands out to me in the middle that's going to have the highest expectations is uh, Avalos at Oregon, who was hired to replace Jim Levitt. They have a ton coming back and they've recruited pretty well. So Vader Rank likes them a lot coming into next season. Can he live up to it? Well, let's go from the top down because we don't want to spend a lot of time at Oregon State. Hey, oh, am I right? Am I right? Uh, let's let's start <laughs> with Cal, um, who we had number one. By the way, we have you wrote an excellent article. It's up on WildcatRadioAZ.com, which goes through and ranks uh, on your end the the top twelve, you know, one to twelve Pac twelve defensive coordinators. It also has the beta rank uh, defensive metrics, not only from twenty eighteen but also from uh, twenty seventeen and the preseason beta rank. So. Uh, Cal's defense comes at in at number 12 preseason. And I loved the way that Cal's defense moved under Tim DeRoyter. And then also like, of course, Justin Wilcox being the defensive mind on his end. And when he got hired at Cal, it, I, I think there were some USC fans that kind of went, meh, like, okay, whatever. Um, but man, he's really just transformed that program from the defensive front with players that quite frankly, didn't jump off the page when you took a look at those recruiting classes that Sonny Dykes brought in on the defensive interrupt. Yeah. I mean, there's, if you had told me, if you had told me that they would have finished last season, number 15, when they took over, they took over Cal was ranked number 119 in beta rank in 2016 when they took over. I mean, if you told me that they could take Sonny Dykes recruits and produce a top 15 defense, I would have laughed. Um, now the flip side of that is, of course, they have took Sunny Dyke's offensive recruits and produced a bottom ten, <laughs> bottom ten offense. <laughs> but like the the defensive side has just been unbelievable. And I, I think that's part of why. Part of it is, is that they 
that they have made such a dramatic impact from when they were hired. Um, you know, that defense is, is light years better than they were. And you can tell that, you know, to, to you know, where the, the change is coming from, it's coming from the coaching staff. Um, you know, recruiting hasn't really, you know, taken a dramatic uptick. Um, they're mostly working with guys that were already existing in Cal system. Uh, and they've really made the most out of it there. It's a smart, disciplined defense. Uh, anybody that played Cal last season, you know, knows it was kind of a slug fest, um, very often against Cal cause that defense defense could really hold you in check. And I, on the recruiting front, always important to remember that it's difficult to recruit to Berkeley. It just is. And they have upped their game in regards to their academic standards. And that was one of the reasons that Sunny Dykes was complaining and, you know, always looking, <laughs> it looked like anytime you shook your hand, he was looking over your shoulder at like, who else, who else can I uh, talk to aside from this Cal athletic director right now to get a job? Um, it, what, what, did, what did Cal do that was particularly I mean, they were excellent all around, but is there anything that stood out uh, in particular for you, Rob? Yeah, I mean, they were they were really they were really the disciplined. I mean, so that they they don't give like the Cal defense last season did not give up big plays. Um, you know, they were a really you know sharp group. You could see that uh, you know that they and it wasn't built off of one you know it wasn't just one player you know in there dominating. Um, and none of the none of the guys really, even when you see the, some of their individual numbers, if they did some you know offseason workouts for the NFL, nobody really stands out athletic wise on that defense. It's it is a smart, sound scheme um, that forces you to earn it. Like it prevents you from getting big plays. Um, you know you have to really show up and 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 earn it. You know yard for yard uh, with Cal and, uh, I, I, I think it's a fantastic defense for um, particularly the Pac-12 where you have so many coaches. Um, you know, around the conference that really rely on big plays to try to get their offenses going. Yeah. And then coming in number two is Utah and Rob, it was a privilege to watch that defense. Like I, I understand Cal Cal statistically had the better, you know, defense or whatever, but in terms of showiness and just uh, like pure talent on the field and the ability to take that talent and make it into an elite uh, an elite unit. I just loved what happened at Utah last year. And this is certainly why on our last podcast with Max Meyer from sports illustrated gambling, we were talking about Utah being one of those teams that possibly, I don't know, possibly sprinkle a little money, uh, a little money on them when we're going into making our bets here. What do you think? Yeah, I really like this Utah defense and they were, they were a little different than uh, some of Morgan Scaly's defenses in the past. Um, some of his defenses in the past have been more like that Cal defense where they don't give up big plays. This, this team last year, did give up some big plays every once in a while, but they made up for it on their own because they, they did put up some big plays themselves. Um, and they found ways to get off the field. Like their, their drive efficiency, um, was just terrific. One of the best in the country. They, they made you drive, uh, the length of the field for the most part, they found ways to get you off the field, even if they didn't get you at the three and out. Um, and they were, they were a fun team to watch blitzing. We had big questions coming in and we talked to the Utah man podcast about this, um, in our preview last season, we had big questions about the offense or the, the linebacking core. I yeah. mean, they had that transfer in from BYU. There was just a lot of questions, you know, outside of chase Hansen, whether it was going to gel and it really did. It was a, it was a really impressive season for Utah. Uh, and Scaly has been a guy that he, uh, he's never had a defense that's ranked in, in, in inside the beta rank top 20, but he's almost never outside the beta rank top 20. Like he's, he's been an extremely consistent guy. Utah's recruiting has been picking up a little bit more, uh, as they've been in the pac 12. I, I, I like him, uh, where he's at. And I think he's doing a really good job at Utah. And I think it, they're going to continue to potentially improve. Let's talk uh, number three, Mel Tucker at Colorado. This one jumped out to me because um, an unknown commodity in regards of being a Pac-12 coach, but obviously, I mean, just the the work that he did at Georgia was uh, phenomenal. And granted, they had probably the best players you could possibly pick out <laughs> from the South, but still, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like look at USC, right? I mean, you had your pick of the litter from the West Coast, and not, to not be able to put them together, I think, is why we have Pendergast lower. Um, but I, I just I'm. I would have loved to see uh, some more fireworks on the offensive side, but at the end of the day, it's defense that wins games. Just talk to Cal about that. Right, Rob? I mean, I don't know. I don't believe, I mean, offense can win games too. I mean, <laughs> there's lots of ways to skin the cat, yeah. but, um, 
I, I, I really like Mel Tucker's hire. I would like it more if you were to hire. I'm with you. I think you, if you would have made a different offensive coordinator hire, I think I'd be more on board. Um, but this Colorado defense was sneaky decent last season. Um, and they, Tucker, certainly, I mean, in 2017, the year that they played for the, 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 in the title game, he had the, he finished with the number three ranked defense and beta rank last season was a little bit of a fall off, but they had, they lost a lot of players, um, and a lot of production. So they, they finished at number 13, but Tucker's one of the best regarded defensive coordinators and defensive minds in the country. When you've been hired by Nick Saban and Kirby smart, um, you, you generally have a, a reputation, not only as knowing your X's and O's and you can recruit. So I, I like, I, I like this Tucker hire. I think this Colorado defense, which projects next season to be at 43, um, I think he can probably get them into the 30s. I think he's he's that talented of a defensive mind. I'm just curious to see what he does with players that aren't, you know, SEC five star, four star caliber folks. Um, and, True. And if there's going to be a uh, a learning curve, which there normally is in that first year, so it, it'd be interesting. I don't know. I'm just I'm just curious because yeah, like you mentioned, Beta ranked their 43rd, uh, and hmm, let's see, let's see. I know that they had that. Uh, <laughs> The, the Javier Edwards, the like 300 pounds, like 5'11". I think uh, Dan Rubinstein call, calls people like that the the dorm fridge where he's just a giant yeah. square defensive tackle. So that was pretty fun to watch last year and I'm um, curious to see what they do. And again, like as we go through our uh, our season previews, our preseason previews, we're going to bring on experts. We'll probably bring on people. We will bring on people um, from the Freebond podcast who are experts in Colorado, and we'll continue to do our due diligence into the players. But just again, dipping our toe into the waters here. All right. So coming in at number four, we have Jimmy Lake at Washington, which I don't think a lot of people would argue with being in the top four. And when it comes to somebody that was the offensive, the defensive coordinator of, uh, of Georgia, and then obviously Utah and Cal, um, Jimmy Lake, first year, uh, last year as defensive coordinator, he's been a, uh, I mean, I just, the whole entire tenure of Chris Peterson at Washington and their ability to play defense has been phenomenal. Uh, and he's just really grown that. And he's been able to now starting to increase the talent pool that's coming into that, that program. It's interesting, Rob, I was listening to the dog pod and they did a spring podcast where they were just basically going like rattling off four star after four star after five star after five star, these players that are going to come in. So now you have Chris Peterson, somebody that has been proven as a head coach with excellent talent and a guy that did a decent job with uh, Washington last year, having him at beta rank number six at the end of the year. Yeah. I, I, I like Jimmy Lake as a, as a, as a DC. I think he's, he's somebody that Washington has had to continue to promote in order to keep, um, um, he's, uh, you know, he was the assistant, he was the uh, co-defensive coordinator for a while. He did not have play calling duties. He wanted to get play calling duties on his resume. Uh, he's definitely somebody that's, I think regarded particularly in the West coast as a rising star in the profession. He interviewed for the Colorado job last season, uh, known as an, you know, one of the best recruiters out on the West coast. Um, he particularly handles recruiting, I believe for the, uh, the Washington secondary. So, um, and they've sent a lot of players onto the NFL recently. Uh, but yeah, Washington, they, they have picked up recruiting. Jimmy Lake's been a part of that Washington. If they're going to want to challenge for the playoff, they're going to need to recruit at an elite level. Uh, and they're starting to do that and starting to get up there. I, I, th- I think Lake performed pretty well last season, uh, as the DC, he got a bit of a bump from the snow game against Washington state. Um, that might've been a little weather aided, but even if you remove that game from the model, he's still ranked in and, uh, at number 12. So, I mean, a really good season. I think that there's more to see from Jimmy Lake. Um, they returned a ton on, on defense last season. So he, he had a lot to work with this season. Washington ranks dead last in returning production on defense. So, we will really get to see Jimmy Lake's coaching chops because uh, yeah. uh, like even with all the talent, they, they only project at number 25. Now defense returning production is a little less important. Uh, recruiting is a little more important uh, and more correlated, but um, he's going to have his hands full with a bunch of guys that are inexperienced and replacing some, some guys that went on to the NFL, especially out of the secondary. Absolutely. He's going to have his work cut out for him this year. And it'll be interesting to see if he can rise to the occasion. Talked a little bit of trash to Washington state after that, uh, that game. Now, now <laughs> granted, I think it was due, you know, like you have, you have an offensive mind and Mike Leach who hasn't changed his like play calling and, you know, a gazillion years and uses like his little note card and stuff. So I'm, um, I'm really curious to see, 
um, how this Washington's young players come together because I do trust Chris Peterson. Um, Lake obviously did an excellent job with a talent that's in front of him. And like, you can't knock somebody for, say, you know, it's really hard to say, well, you, you finished basically top 10, but you had the best players. Yeah. But there are so many, there's so many coaches and so oh, yeah. many coordinators that have players that are in the top 10 that drop out of that. So, um, really, I think there's some really fascinating situations here when it comes to, uh, what a def- what a coordinator is in each program, and we'll definitely see that uh, moving forward. Number fifth, number fifth, <laughs> number five. We have Lance Anderson out of Stanford. The preseason thirty in beta rank uh, made a decent jump from twenty seventeen to twenty eighteen. Twenty seventeen was a real brutal year for Stanford, and then coming up to um, uh, really close out the season, I thought fairly well, Rob. Yeah, he's they, they definitely showed improvement. He he's had some I mean, part of the reason he's ranked higher than some of the other coordinators on this list is in his first year um, back in 2014. He had the number three defensive unit in, in the country in beta rank. Um, so he he's he's got the chops uh, if he can put it together. I like this defense coming back. I mean, I think Adebo is the truth <laughs> at, at corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like I like Dwayne Aquina coaching at secondary. I think he's one of the best secondary coaches in the country. Um, but Anderson, Anderson's, he's going to have his, he's going to have his work cut out for him. Stanford's got a really tough schedule this season. Um, but I, I think that they can, I think that that 30 ranking, they're going to get back to being a little bit more where they were. Um, they still have, they still are recruiting pretty well. Uh, I think it's going to translate in again this season. And I, I, I like this defense to, to, uh, improve beyond even that 30 mark, but he's, he's up there because he's been mostly consistently good. He did have a Rocky 2017 and then he does have, you know, he does have that one year where they were just excellent. I would put him ahead of Jimmy Lake just because I want to see Jimmy Lake prove it a second time. I mean, you can't deny the fact they had a top six defense in the country. I think that's that's amazing. I want to see him do yeah. it for a couple of years. Um, but we're kind of quibbling with if you're in that, if you're on that shelf with those defensive coordinators, and now we're trying to kind of quibbling about smaller, smaller issues. So it'd be interesting to see again, how Lake pulls through. Here's, here's my biggest, my biggest problem with the ranking that you had, Rob, is you had Oregon at six where Clancy Pendergrass has proven himself uh, in a number of years at USC. Um, I understand last year was kind of a mess, but they were still 50. Like that's the worst. I mean, that's probably the worst defense he's had in a while, I'd assume. Um, and then Danny Gonzalez, like, I just liked what he was doing. Well, I guess he's kind of unproven too, right? He was coming from under Rocky Long. Yeah, Rocky Long. So eh, I'm kind of arguing with myself here. Uh, well, would you? Clay, I mean, would you? It's fair. You could you could talk me into putting them ahead of you know Andy Avalos at Oregon, who's you know that the hire to replace Jim Levitt. Um, I just think if you look across, nobody's had Pendergast talent. You know. Yeah. You, you, that's just the end of it. I was just I, I, Pendergast for his talent level, even with the injuries, um, you know, they've recruited so well and recruiting is, is more important than returning production on defense. And he should have just, he should have done, you could say this about the entire USC program under Clay Helton, but they should have done more with what they had. Okay. I mean, I would say I would just put Tracy Clay's up. I know like I'm surprised Rob that they finished 75th in beta rank because like I was, I watched a lot of those Washington state games and they weren't, they just didn't seem like 75th. They gave up a, they gave up. So here's, so here's the, so here's what people sort of like, they gave up a lot of points and they gave up a lot of points with really good field position because their offense was so good that their offense generally scored. And then they got great field position because they were kicking off. It wasn't like they didn't punt very often. So they had great field position and they gave up a lot of points. Like that is a recipe for getting a bad ranking. <laughs> okay. I'm, I don't know. I just, uh, I think that my, they were opportunistic were, and it, and it looked, they, they were fun and opportunistic and like they made big plays when they had to. And I like, it's, it's sort of like the Derek Jeter. <laughs> like Derek Jeter's def- like defensive magic, right? Like Derek Jeter won all those gold gloves and he basically made a couple big plays um, that for a better defensive shortstop would have been routine plays. Um, but because he was stretching out and making it look incredible, like he won the gold glove. Um, I, I think that Washington's like, they made some big plays when they had to, and I, I don't want to, kn- I don't want to knock them or take away from that, but um, you know, like 
if they would have been in a better position where they didn't have to make big plays, like they would have been a better defense. Okay. All right. I'm going to keep an eye on that one. I'm going to keep an eye on that one. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I can't, I can't love enough on, like, I think the the thing about Washington state last season is like, maybe people underestimate how good that offense was. That offense was amazing under with Gardner Minshew, like just amazing. They finished number six in the country. Um, you know, I mean, it was really an offensive first team, which is interesting because, I mean, we got we got a little used to Washington State having a good defense with Alex Grinch. Yeah, that, I mean, it was amazing what he was able to do there. Um, and I'm curious to see if that can continue <laughs> under Tracy but Clay. We we did our our man, Mr. Jim Levitt. Like yeah. had a show had a showdown with Cristobal over something apparently behind the scenes and like you know it was Thunderdome and uh, one only one man can remain. <laughs> it's, it's the man that recruits. That's the that's how it works in college football. Rap. It does. It does. And uh, I just I'm interested. I, mean, I, I I I think I say this in my piece. Like I think Avalos is an okay hire. Like he's not a he's not a he's not a great high. I mean, Oregon did not go out and lure a you know defensive coordinator from another Power Five program or something like that. Like they went out and like they did with Levitt. They went out and got the guy that you kind of expect somebody to hire in the Pac-12 when you know they they need to hire a DC and you know. They do what Arizona, Arizona did. Yeah, they took yeah, Boise they did. State's like, defensive coordinator. <laughs> you go hire Boise State's defensive coordinator. So I just he's okay. He, his defenses at, at Boise State were okay. They were pretty good, um, you know. But we've seen with Fresno State, uh, you know, Wyoming's had some very good defenses in the Mountain West. I mean, you can put together a really good defense in a group at a group of five school, and uh, he. He's like I said, he's an okay hire. So he's but he's got a lot of expectations because the the model doesn't do coaching changes. I don't code that in uh, as particularly coordinator changes. But the model fully expects like a Jim Levitt coach defense to be in the top twenty next season. Yeah, I was surprised uh, that you had them at fifteen in beta rank preseason. It's part of it is I mean they have just been recruiting like gangbusters under Cristobal, um, and the other part is that they they return a lot. Uh, on defense like they, they bring back a lot of production yeah and if you talk to any Oregon fan I think the biggest question mark is look we have all these players can we put them together and uh, we shall see <laughs> yes uh, let's move to one other item so Boise State under Boise State under Andy Avalos had uh, number 47 beta rank was 47 in 2017 and their defense was ranked 53 in 2018 in beta rank so um putting a pin in that one Clancy Pendergrass at USC comes at number seven. Uh, You have USC ranked at 19 preseason coming in on defense. And I mean, we, we already kind of covered this a little bit, but uh, big hat, no cattle last year. Yeah. I mean, and and as you alluded to, I mean, there, there were some injuries, Port Augustine being out, you know, really hurt the second year. Um, But they, they still have a bunch of, they still had a bunch of guys that could play. Marvell tells it is, is, very good. Emin Marshall had a terrific year, you know, shutting down, um, you know, whoever the best wide receiver was that he was assigned to cover. And even with that, they still managed to be terrible. I mean, if you have, if, if you had Inman Marshall just shutting down one side of the field for almost any other defense in the Pac-12, I, I feel like you should be able to do more with that <laughs> than they did. Um, and they've really, like, I mean, the, so when I, when I come up with these projections, um, like returning production. So like for offense, the offensive project projections, like returning production counts more. It is more correlated with, um, how you play the next year. Uh, but for defense, it's recruiting rankings and USC is recruited like crazy on defense. Um, and, and Pendergast should have the tools. I mean, they they recruited and I did the, I did the roster breakdown for USC last year in our preview and I mean, you and I were going back and forth about how just how crazy their recruiting class was on defense last year. Those guys are going to be sophomores like they should <laughs> be able to play. Um, I don't know. I just Pender, Pendergast better produce a good unit this year or I mean, that whole the whole staff's going to be fired if they don't get something together. Their recruiting was so good that in th- this is on paper, but like on paper, 
half of the linebackers and half of the folks on this, I think it was the secondary too, where they just recruited like they're just insane um, start on a lot of the PAC 12 programs, not all of them, but a lot like Oregon state, Arizona, Arizona state. Like you have players that would just have such a high pedigree and they're just piled on top of each other (laughs) like that. um, You know, it'll be interesting to see who ends up transferring out because I think they, they were able to for two years in a row recruit at a level that was uh, yeah. pretty insane. Not not this year. It was the last two years where they just brought in these insane guys. So. Yeah, this year was not great. But now those now those players can transfer to a Pac-12 school um, because of that rule change. Yeah, come on, come on aboard, everyone. Uh, <laughs> come play for Danny <laughs> Gonzalez here, number eight. Uh, <laughs> we already talked about this being a pretty sneaky hire by Herm Edwards. Not the best year. They came in at 82 in beta rank in 2018. and But we, we kind of expected their defense to be a mess this, uh, this past year up. Yeah, we did. We, I mean, you, you talked about it, you know, their defensive line really had some big gaps in it. Um, I do think that they got better play out of some of their players there than we were expecting, but, um, the linebackers really struggled. Um, except for like Merlin Robinson, uh, that guy was awesome. Yeah. That guy's going (laughs) to be amazing. He is. Yeah, I know. And they have some, I mean, they have some guy, I mean, they, they recruited, uh, they got, uh, a form who's the former Arizona player, Antonio, Antonio Pierce, um, as their linebackers coach. And he got a couple of, couple of four-star recruits for them, uh, late last year, uh, in the cycle on the defensive side of the ball. So they, they have some talent. I think Chase, Chase Lucas, you know, can, can still improve. Um, I, I think this defense, I mean, they're projected to make a big jump. I mean, a 30 point jump in beta rank this season. I, I think they can live up to that. And I still like Danny Gonzalez as a hire, but he didn't really, uh, show up and earn a better ranking last season. They are ranked 49th preseason in beta rank. What's uh, that's a pretty big jump, Rob. It is. I mean, but it's part. It's partly due to that they've they've recruited better than they've performed, and eventually, eventually, you know, under uh, under competent coaching, like you know, that should work out. Okay. Okay. Number nine, we have Tracy Clay's at Washington State. Number sixty-two. I'm sorry. Let's go back to 2018. 75th in beta rank, and we talked about the yards that they gave up. Preseason 62nd, which is still not excellent. And I think that makes sense in regards to the preseason rank because they uh, – and they never have really at Washington State, but really didn't go out and get people that you're just going, oh, man, like that's definitely going to be an improvement. They lose Hercules Mataafa and uh, and some other dudes, I think, like two or the three Peyton of the guys. Peyton Pallura, I think, has gone too. Yeah, yeah Peyton Pallura, their secondary. I think they lose two or three of the starters there. So uh, a lot of shoes to fill. Yeah. And Washington state's a tough one because as I sort of mentioned, probably two or three times, it's, um, you know, defense, you really need to go out and get some athletes. They're reacting. They don't, you know, scheme matters, but it matters, you know, knowing the scheme matters less than it does on offense. And I think on offense, you can really plug and play. And Mike Leach has shown the ability to go get, you know, really live up to that sort of like, I'm just going to recruit to my scheme and I don't really care about stars. Um, I think on defense, like you almost need, you almost need to find somebody like an Alex Grinch to really produce a top level defense uh, in Pullman, because I, I think recruiting there is hard. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there was that famous story where they would bus people in and they, all, they would charter him on a bus and then all the, all the windows were tinted. So you didn't have to look outside as you were making the haul from usually, I think flying to Boise, I guess. I don't know what, what airport. Sp- they I think you're flying to Spokane. Spokane. Yeah, Spokane. Oh man. Um, I love Washington state though. Like that's, that's one of my favorite programs. Um, number 10. As an arrow. As an arrow. Yeah. Um, one thing to mention here. So UCLA, so, uh, Chip Kelly goes out, hires his friend, in 2018, he was uh, he brought forth a 90th uh, a 90th percentile beta rank ranking in 2018 with some pretty solid players in regards to uh, on paper, like a lot of four four and five ish star players at UCLA uh, didn't quite get them playing on the same page. And was it Jalen Jalen Harris? Gosh, I'm, I'm Jalen Phillips left the per- yeah. I think they had like two number oh, they've one. Had some, they've had some big transfers out. Yeah. Yeah. And Mickey Juarez, who's going to Utah now. Like I saw that. Team. I was really excited about that actually, because he just could not see the field, had a lot of like personal issues at USC, but was one of the top, I think he was like a number two inside linebacker in the class of like, yeah, he was a huge kid. Yeah. Five star recruit for them. Um, yeah, he's just a weird hire. And we talked about this. I mean, he hadn't, he hadn't, 
called plays as a defensive coordinator since like 2004, 2005. I mean, a good long time. <laughs> and he'd mostly been coaching as a defensive line coach and he coached as Kelly's defensive line coach in the NFL. Um, it, I don't think it really worked out. I didn't really expect it to, um, their defense. I mean, I will say this, they shored up, they were one of the worst run defenses in the country in 2017. And they did manage to shore it up more, but they got worse at defending the pass. Um, so a little of this, little of that. I, I, I don't know what to make of this. I mean, UCLA has got a brutal schedule again. Um, they're going, and I will be going to this game. Uh, so any Bruins fans, if you are going to Cincinnati, let me know. <laughs> we can meet up before the game. Um, but they're they're going to play at Cincinnati this year. Cincinnati's good under Luke Fickle. Um, they have Oklahoma again on the schedule. Uh, they he just he wasn't able to really put it together, and I I don't think he really. They didn't seem particularly competent. I don't think it like I don't really feel like his scheme added to anything. It's not like where. You know, you came in with like Tim DeRoyter and Justin Wilcox and you have a 40 point jump or a 40 spot jump with, you know, Sonny Dykes recruits. There's a lot of star talent on that UCLA defense and they didn't get any better at all. Now, and they're projected to be 58th this preseason at Bay Rink. And and a lot of that's based on prior recruiting because, man, they really blew it this recruiting cycle. Yeah, (laughs) only only uh. Only recruiting on Wednesdays, as Hitler Day says. So, <laughs> <Is that? on. laughs> oh my gosh, that's that's pretty funny, and I, I like to think that that's true. Actually, <laughs> uh, moving down to number eleven, Marcel Yates at Arizona started twenty seventeen one hundred fifteenth in the country, which is awful. Uh, twenty eighteen moved up to eighty sixth. Moving on up there, guys. Good job. Yeah, and uh, projected to be number sixty sixth preseason at Beta Rank. What do we got here with Marcel Yates? Yeah, and I, I I I like to think of when I when I evaluate a, a a power five program that you should really look at it at a one to sixty six ish. I believe it's sixty six with Notre Dame. Um, you know, one to sixty six scale. I mean, a, a power five program should be able to produce offensive and defensive units that are, you know, in the top sixty in the country. Um, Yates in year four projects to finally make produce a bad power five defense. Um, I don't think. Yates, I mean, they're just go look at Yates getting owned by Washington State every other year. Um, <laughs> that, that, I mean, Mike Leach, I think, has to absolutely look forward to, um, to playing Marcel Yates. No, it's not to say that, I mean, Yates had that Oregon game last season. Uh, he, he made it look, I mean, his scheme and how he had that game set up, he made it look like Justin Herbert couldn't read zone. Uh, so it's not all bad. Uh, and, it, getting up to 66 would be a significant improvement. Um, but I don't, I, and I watch a lot of Arizona football. I don't think, I haven't seen anything that gives me the confidence that Yates's X's and O's scheme and play calling is making a big difference out there. No. And I think one of the things that is important to keep in mind is Arizona doesn't really have the big guys in the middle of that defensive line that he did oh, last yeah. year. So they're going to, they do have more, Depth in the secondary, which was a major issue last year. Their top corner was injured pretty much the entire season. But at the end of the day, you look at the big uglies up front and you go like, all right, who's getting the push in the center? I think the edges will be okay. And the linebackers certainly are okay. But um, if he can't get that push, then I think he gets fired. I think that really is what com- what it comes down to. So it'll be interesting to see. The other thing is, Ari- yeah, well, Arizona has like some cash issues too. So I'm wondering if they just might as well. I mean, like the, the whole Pac-12 isn't bringing in a lot of money. So the, like, all it's right, true. let's just rather than spend the extra quarter of a million dollars, let's just keep him for another year and see what he can do with the talent that he brought in. Well, he is comparatively cheap. Um, you know, I think he's making less than 400,000 a year or maybe right around ish that. Um, and I think he has, I think he has a buyout, but he's, uh, he's, he's at the point of year four. I don't think you, you, you don't get to complain anymore about the talent level, <laughs> these, <laughs> yeah. you know, like these are mostly your recruits. Um, so I, I, I think for Yates, like it's, it's hard to say. Cause I, I, he, Kevin, someone hired him at A&M you know, a while back. Um, and then he went back to Boise state to, to take the, the defensive coordinator job there and to have the play calling duties. Um, so I think that there is some comfort level, um, between someone and Yates, the players really like him. I'm always, you know, don't get me wrong. Like 
I want the players to be happy, but the, the, the guy that the players like doesn't always work out. No, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I mean like they were pushing for Marcel Yates to be the head coach at Arizona. I'm like, you gotta be freaking kidding me. <laughs> like that's insane. Yeah. I thought that was a stretch. Yeah. Um, but I just, I, I think, I think Yates, he, he might, he might survive even if the, the defense doesn't make progress, but someone's going to have, I mean, if for someone really it's the offense really has to get going, uh, for Yates to keep his job because if the offense can get going enough. Um, and the defense can sort of hit around where they're projected. Yates could survive cause they might make a bowl. Uh, um, if the offense doesn't get humming enough, uh, and Arizona, you know, misses a bowl again, then someone's going to have to fire somebody. I, I doubt it's going to be Mazzoni. It's probably going to be Yates after four years of underperforming. Yeah. And number 12, I'm going to be honest with you, Rob. I had no idea who Oregon state's defensive coordinator was. <laughs> they were so awful last year. So coming oh, in at number, I need, how do you say his name? Tim Tibishar? Tibishar. What's his story? I don't even know. I mean, I had to look him up all over again to be like, Oh God, who's that awful defensive coordinator at Oregon state? <laughs> um, they were atrocious. They finished the only defense that I think was worse than them was Connecticut. I believe it was Connecticut and they were bad, bad, bad. Um, and it's really a bummer because, and I, I, I got to watch Oregon state in person at the horseshoe this past season, uh, in Columbus and their, their offense was fun. Um, and, and Jonathan Smith is a really bright offensive mind. Uh, they just landed a four-star wide receiver at Oregon state, actually, uh, a commit. Yeah, and I, saw that. I, I think that they have, I think that they've got a, he's got a bright future, but man, he's got to figure out something on defense. Cause this, you know, I think everyone except for maybe Colorado, um, really enjoyed playing Oregon state this past, this past season, uh, because it was, uh, I mean, I think Arizona and JJ Taylor ran for what, like almost 300 yards against them. I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. They were, they, they have a lot of work cut out for them. I, I actually thought they were bad enough that maybe you fire the guy after the first year. Um, but they didn't, he's sticking around. Um, they really need to, to, to figure some things out and, and show some big improvement, um, off this for, for him to serve to, to survive. Cause you, you can't run out a horrific defense. I mean, I say this, Marcel Yates got away with it, but <laughs> running out a horrific defense two years in a row might get you fired. <laughs> I, um, when we had Angie Machado on the podcast and I've listened to her on a couple other ones this past year, uh, in terms of previewing 2019. And it's a lot of, you know, like everybody's having fun again. And uh, when you're talking about camp, how's camp going? Oh, yeah, like, you know, everyone, everyone's smiling. It's not, oh, man, this defense is going to be awesome. It's more like, like, you know, they're, they got, at least they're out of their cages in the basement now. So that's, that's a positive. Um, be it's, like, that, it's a bummer because like Jake Luton's back, yeah. you know, he's competing with, you know, Gebbia, the, the Nebraska transfer for the starting job. He's going to take it, Jake. by the way. Like that's, that's what Machado's saying is that Luton's yeah, got it basically Jeff- locked down. Yeah, and and they've got Jamar Jefferson back, and he was phenomenal last yeah. season. I don't know if anybody watched a lot of we we watch a lot of Pac-12 football, obviously, um, and and their offensive line. They've got you know Nathan Eldridge, the former Arizona center. So they've got four guys with a lot of Pac-12 starting experience in, uh, and I I really I really like what this offense could be next season. And I really think this defense could be, I mean, they project to be 127. Yeah. So he gets, a projects better. to have a two spot improvement. I mean, they project to be very, very bad. So this offense had better make a huge jump and Oregon state games will be the ones we'll all be tuning into because they'll just be shootouts. A lot of missed tackles in the, uh, in the intermediate area for Oregon state. And you can just see that like, um, two, two good examples. If you want to see like Arizona, I'm sorry. If you want to see Oregon state at their worst, take a look at that Nevada game where they were just giving up a ton of yard like to Nevada. You're going, Oh, oh yeah. come on guys. I know you can do it. I'm like, I'm rooting for him and all that stuff. If you want to see an, uh, defense at its best, watch Utah play BYU at the end of that game. Like that is, that was poetry in motion the way that they were able just to hit them in the mouth and just stop them over and over and over again. So hopefully both, uh, units improve. It, I would love to see an Oregon state that isn't, um, at the very, very bottom, not just the PAC 12, but in the bottom of the country. Um, it'd be nice to, I, I like that stadium. Gil Coliseum can get up. Is it Gil Coliseum? I think it's Gil Coliseum. Um, it's Reeser stadium. Reeser stadium. Gil's the basketball stadium. Um, <laughs> that football stadium is fun. Like I, I really, I think we're actually going to go to that game this year because, uh, I'm an Arizona fan. I live in Portland. So, uh, to drive down there and actually go for that game. But, um, I'd really, oh, uh, I'd love to see that. My sister's in, 
my sister's an Oregon State alum, actually. She is a huge Beaver fan. Um, for the longest time, she wanted to get a dog and name it Mike Riley so that she could talk to Mike Riley during the games. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's uh, the like the Beavers are passionate fans. And they're a lot of fun, and um, they uh, they definitely they definitely know how to like enjoy the good times and the bad. I will say that. Like, yeah. They're, they're, those fan bases are the best, like where, you know, like, I mean, I, th- I would say Washington State football fans are kind of like that, too, where they've seen they've seen some success, but they're not uh, they're not overly sensitive when the team goes like three and nine or something. And it seems like yeah. that's the case with um, with Oregon State fans as well. The, it, it's the programs where that have seen a lot of success and and all of a sudden don't have it that's where the fan base gets a little rough and, and edgy um looking at you arizona fans of basketball <laughs> way, <laughs> like i can get a little touchy and stuff but uh but you know it is it is fun to be part of a a program whether it's football or basketball that has seen that success because you've seen what can yeah whether regardless of whether in your Corvallis and you have somebody like mike riley that won 10 games there or pullman where you you know they went to the rose bowl like numerous times and you have mike leach like that, that's always where I get a little bit frustrated where you have fan bases that are in a city that just say, well, um, you know, we're always destined to be here. And I get that, like you're destined to be here, but like, how do you improve from that point? You know, whether you're in Tucson or Salt Lake or like, I I would argue that Boulder's a much better location to be able to recruit to. But, um, you know, how do you get out of that? ASU is a good example. You know, you're in Phoenix, you're in like the fifth biggest city in the country. How do you, how do you get from, well, we've always been eight and four, to hey, we can be ten and two a couple times. How do we get there? Um, I hope our Medford is it. I actually <laughs> coaching. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, but it, I mean, it's it's a scheme and recruiting. But you roll the dice, right? Like you you roll the dice when you go out to hire a new coach, um, and that uh, you know you you kind of have to sort of like do the um, do the calculation, right? I mean, there are is it worth it if 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 we've plateaued at eight and four and the fans are getting restless at eight and four? is that worth it to go out and try to hire a new coach, a head coach, or do you tell the coach like, Hey, maybe we need to spruce up the offense or let's, you know, find a little extra money to hire some coordinators or some staff that can, uh, you know, recruit a little better. Because I do think that, uh, you go back out on the market, you roll the dice. I mean, I think Oregon's an example right now where, you know, the fan base really got mad with where Helfrich ended up. And I'm not saying that he was the answer, but you know, they went back out, uh, you know, on the market, um, and they hired Willie Taggart, and that didn't work out pretty quickly. Uh, or I mean, he left for Florida State. But then, you know, you have Mario Cristobal. There's a lot of expectations coming into this season. They've yeah. recruited like gangbusters, but I have. There's a lot of question marks about this team too. No, you absolutely. Know? And, well, and I, I think mm-hmm. Cristobal is a guy that like I, I I could see it working. I mean, you've recruited that well. I can absolutely see it working. But um, if it doesn't, you know, it's. It's like Oregon or Oregon's a fan base that's going to get pretty frustrated pretty quick. Well, that's why I was surprised that Cal didn't make a move at offensive coordinator. You had uh, and you yeah. compare that to Utah where they brought in, I think it was Troy Taylor um, last year. You just got uh, poached to coach at Sacramento State, I believe. Um, yeah. I, I like that hire. I thought that was I thought that was smart. I actually thought that Cal's hire of uh, Bo Baldwin was smart. But if it doesn't work out, like cut bait and go get somebody else. But I do know that. I mean, it's amazing that this conference is running into problems from athletic budgets like with as much money as is being thrown around in college football right now um and college basketball but that's just the case where you know like some teams like cal and arizona have to swallow a bad hire for another year or two in order to uh just make it's not ends meet but just to make do i guess is a better uh, better way of putting it but no that's the part that i think that when fans you know when fans look around they, they see the pac-12 has some big names coaching, you know, Peterson, um, you know, Chip Kelly at UCLA. I think Cristobal is a reasonably big name at Oregon. Um, you know, Arizona, oh, got out. whatever, man, that guy like failed at FIU and like, oh, I, yeah, but I'm out on Cristobal, did, like in terms of his yeah. pedigree. No, but I mean, like he's a guy that I, I, I think if he got fired, he might get another power five job. Um, you know, but Arizona's got Kevin Sumlin, yeah, there's, I mean, in Colorado's got Mel Tucker. I mean, there's, they look around it like it looks decent when you look at it on paper, but I think when you look into the financials, it's, it's not great. And there's, there are some staffs that I think are able to 
get around it and some athletic departments that are able to get around it because they have outside sources of funding. I mean, Oregon um, is there. Washington has made a commitment, I think, through fundraising um, to and, they, and the fact that they're able to, to sell out Husky Stadium a couple times a year. That really helps. And so Washington's made some commitments to, to the staff that to, to um, upping salaries, but it's not just that the the head coach salaries because like Chip Kelly, he's still getting paid by the Niners, so he took less money to come. He didn't take a you know a full on you know heavy contract to go to the UCLA. Kevin Sumlin didn't take a you know market contract to come to Arizona because he's still getting money from Texas A and M. But you look down the you look down the the staffs like the staffs just the money just isn't comparable to what you're seeing in the big 10 and the sec and even the acc and and that really hurts eventually because your best recruiters are going to get poached you know your best coordinator you're not going to be able to go out and hire and keep the alex grinches of the world you know they're going to end up at oklahoma um that, that, I think that is going to, to to tell as the Pac-12 financial sort of teeter forward. Yeah, I like Dan Rubenstein a lot. I think the solid verbal is the gold standard for a national college football podcast. But I totally disagree on that end. Where, um, you know, he'll he'll mention that the Pac-12, you know, is imploding. Narrative is kind of a tired one, and I wouldn't say, I, hey, I don't think it's imploding, but it's certainly. Um, it's certainly on the outside looking in, and that does matter when it comes to the smaller schools like, like you're mentioning, Arizona, Oregon State, um, even ASU to some extent. I know that they get a lot of money from like their online court, but but still, like programs that don't have the the mad money coming in, like a USC, um, it, you know, like that that is the difference between a coordinator, and that does that does impact how your uh, your program can be, and you really have to start hitting home runs, and your um, your uh, margin of error is much smaller when you have a smaller budget, basically. Like you just can't go out and say, Oh, that guy's good. Let's get him." Uh, so I know we were trying to look at other defensive coordinators to pick up in the PAC 12. And we were talking about like, well, maybe a wash or Wyoming and maybe the guy, the defensive coordinator at Fresno state. And I think it is good to look outside the box and try to keep expenses in line. There are times, however, where you really just would rather get the safe bet. And, uh, yeah. some, some programs aren't there. Um, did, did we ask for questions or anything or um, oh, go ahead? We didn't ask for any questions, but I mean, the PAX 12 has been on a, I mean, if you go look at, so I, I, I have a program tracker up on the website now. So if you go to wildcat radio AZ, um, and then you go to like the beta rank section, um, you know, on, on the, the little turnstile I have up at the top, like there's a, there's a link to the program tracker and I have the conference averages in beta rank. And I mean, the PAX 12 has been on a, a decline, a five-year decline since 2013. The 2013, the Pac-12 was good. Um, you know, I think a second best conference in the country. And, and you had, you know, three 10-win teams uh, in the South, um, you know, just a, a really, really good year. And it's been a really steady decline for the Pac-12, uh, you know, heading downward to this year. And um, I I just, we, 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 it, it is sort of a tired narrative, but at the same time, I mean, if you look at recruiting right now, people are coming into the Pac-12 territory and recruiting and, and taking guys like Clemson, you know, Alabama, Georgia, you know, they, they're, they're, those SEC schools are regularly coming into the Pac-12 footprint and, and pulling out some of the best players. And I, that, that eventually is going to, you know, be tough to compete against. Yeah. Well, Bummer to leave it on a sour note. Anything else we should uh, cover here, Rob? <laughs> hey, I'm excited for Utah this season. When we talk about offensive coordinators, we're going to talk some Andy Ludwig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, there's there's definitely a lot to like. We'll we'll probably cover offensive coordinators maybe next week. Uh, maybe some maybe get a little creative in terms of what other stuff we have. But thanks for tuning in. You can follow the podcast either whether it's uh, Wildcat Radio at Wildcat Radio AZ, if it's Twelve Pack Radio at One Two PAC Radio, and subscribe. Subscribe the podcast for free on Google, TuneIn Radio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. We are there. Uh, thank you for tuning in.